This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 144, the intersection between yoga, sex, and death. Have you ever considered yoga as a conscious guide on how to live? How about a guide on how to explore your sexuality or even how to die? Our guest of today is passionate about these otherwise taboo subjects. Today, I sat down with Susan Marufo to talk about how learning to let go and cultivate intimacy can be at the base of it all. Susan received her first 500-hour yoga certification in Thailand in 2009, where she began her studies of the classical yogic scriptures and delved deeply into esoteric tantric philosophy. After years of teaching month-long tantric-based course on the banks of the Ganges in India and the Pacific coastal towns of Mexico, Susan returned to the U.S. to begin a residential internship at the Kripalu School of Yoga. She taught in and project-managed several Kripalu Yoga teacher training, as well as received her second 500-hour teacher training certification from Kripalu School of Yoga in 2013. She since split her time between India, Thailand, and the U.S., facilitating group courses in the inquiry of yoga, meditation, intimacy, and shadow work before moving to Los Angeles in 2016 to open Samarasa Center, an online and in-person community of dedicated seekers. I would really love to read your takeaways on today's episode, so as you listen, take a screenshot of the episode and share one of your takeaways tagging me on Instagram at on and off your mat podcast. I will, of course, reshare you, but this way everybody can read your takeaways. We can go deeper together in the content of this episode and learn and grow as a community. All right, let's get to today's episode with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about our conversation. I'm excited too. So before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your yoga journey or spiritual journey? Yes. So I am a yoga and meditation teacher, and I also facilitate groups in shadow work and intimacy, mm. really like the deeper layers of what I think yoga is about. I've been all over the world. I've lived in India and Thailand for the longest amounts of time in the past, I don't know, 12 years. Now I'm living in Guatemala and I am teaching online. I am the founder of Samarasa, Samarasa Center, which is an online community that has a yoga, sex and death membership, but we mm. also meet in person to do retreats as well. So that's kind of a little bit of a Backstory. There's a lot more to it, but that's, cliff notes. that's the gist. Yeah, that's the cliff notes. I, I imagine we'll get into some deeper things as we sure our conversation. So first thing I'd like to know as we go deeper is like, why look into why interest yourself or like turn your attention with everything that yoga has to offer and like covers or you can use it for? Why look at the intersection between yoga, sex and death? It's a great question. Well, because for me, I guess, you know, what's coming to me is that there was just no other way. That's exactly how my path has unfolded. And so it was very clear. I teach a course called Yoga, Sex and Death, and it is a result. The curriculum is a direct result of my own personal journey. Mm. And I started with, I started with yoga and I was doing yoga in the States. I was living in the States. I was married. I was working in advertising. I was a brand manager. This was all in my twenties. And I was also drinking myself to death. 
I was mm. um, in total, you know, living that lifestyle that was like work hard, play hard, yeah. numbing. Yeah. Um, I never really developed the skills to learn how to feel, like feel mm. my emotions. And I started drinking at a young age and just numbing at a young age. And yoga was something that lifted me. It like buoyed me, you know, but I was mm-hmm. also self-destructing so hard and working so hard and so stressed that yoga at that point in my life just kind of kept me level. I couldn't yeah. really like fly, you know, but it kept me level enough to to get by and to live that life. And then I just had a major breakthrough, breakdown. I don't know what you would want to call it. I feel like the breakdown leads to the breakthrough. Like it's one into the other. Yeah, it is. Breakthrough. And it really felt like a breakthrough. It felt like, okay, the pain of my life has begun to outweigh my fear of change. So it is time. There's, I've just got to do, I've got to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I was married at the time. And I said to my husband, I've got to do this. I've got to, I've got to save my own life. You know, that's how, when Mm -hmm. I think about it now, that's how it, it feels like I just. So powerful. So he understood because he was, he's amazing. He is amazing and was amazing then. So I left. It was my way of just, I needed to be outside of the confines of the life I had made for myself, like outside of the conditioning of playing any of the roles, you know, the wife, the daughter, the boss, the employee, the sister, Mm -hmm. all of these roles, you know, this life that I had built for myself and then felt totally trapped in. And I needed to just throw myself out of it to understand who I was outside of those things. It was, it was like a life or death thing for me at that point. And a lot of people thought I was going fucking crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I think everybody Mm. thought I was losing my mind, which I was losing. In a sense you were like in the positive way, but in a sense you were. Yes. That's it. I just had to know myself outside of those things, like the Mm -hmm. deeper thing, you know, that question of like, who am I? Yeah. Not like Susan and not like that works in advertising and not that is this person's wife, not that kind of Susan, but like, who am I? So that really started. I had been doing yoga all of those years. So I started when I was 21, but then really when I left, I moved to Spain. I just quit my job and left. And I moved to Spain. And at that time, I got really deeper into my yoga practice. It was just an amazing year, a year of awakening. It was like I had time. I wasn't stressed like we are, you know, in the States or in the West. It's like, go, 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 make the money, do the thing, have the house and all of the material stuff. And And more, 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 always more, 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 more. And when I took myself out of that and I'm living in Spain, I just gave myself permission to slow down, you know, just stop and practice became my priority. And so I was spending hours a day just really going deep. And it was interesting because it was the first time I was practicing on my own, like not Mm -hmm. in a room full of people, but Mm -hmm. just with me. It was like, I wasn't looking around the room to compare myself with anybody. I wasn't moving at anybody else's rhythm or speed. It was just me with me. And 
something about that just took me deep, 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 deep into a lot of the things that I had been numbing myself from and all of those years, all of those years of drinking and numbing and not feeling just started to bubble up. And wow, all the things I try to stuff Mm -hmm. down in life, there's no escape from them. And eventually they catch up. So I just took a pause to feel. That's basically what I did. I just like, I need to feel and stop running, stop running from these things. It's like turn to look and face it and feel it. So a lot of things were coming up that year, like every day, just crying and being my practice. My body was just releasing so much and it was a lot of tears, but it wasn't like heavy. It was like, Mm -hmm. I was crying so much, but I felt so much lighter every day. I felt like, wow. And I was experiencing a lot of things that I didn't have the vocabulary for at the time. I didn't know. I wasn't, I didn't have a yoga community really at this time. Like I didn't know a lot of yogis before that I had been going to the studio and coming home. And it wasn't like I had people in my life that were doing this. So I didn't have language and I didn't know what was happening to me. I just knew that I was feeling amazing. And yeah, there was a lot of death in that because Mm -hmm. it was just dropping identifications with the stories of who I thought I was. And ultimately that's what yoga is. It's freeing yourself from the attachments, from the identifications of who you aren't to know the truth, capital T truth of who you are. Mm-hmm. But that was the only perspective I had was the small Susan, this like Susan is just this body. And then I started to go through this process and experience for myself. Wow. There's so much more here in my connection to whatever word you want to use, God, source, the universe, or spirit or truth. I love truth Mm. or God. I've made my peace with that word, but that's been a journey also. (laughs) But I just started to experience, have the direct experience of something much deeper than Mm. just this idea of myself as this, this person, you know, Susan. So a lot of these identifications are the, were the cause of what I, what I found that a lot of the things, beliefs and stories that I attached to were the things that were heavy for me and causing me a lot of suffering. It wasn't actually the people or Mm -hmm. the situation or the place. That's such a huge revelation for anyone listening, like to think about it is what you think of the circumstance and the situation and what you think of the person or what you think of of yourself, the story you tell yourself a hundred times more than what is actually happening that makes you feel a certain way. That is it. And that is a life changer. It's my main practice to this day. There's something that I do and I teach in the retreat also. It's self-inquiry. But the work of Byron Katie is something that has been very central in my life. But Mm -hmm. I came to it later and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but it's a yoga practice, actually. Yoga, there is a path of yoga called Yana Yoga, which a lot of people don't know about because it's not like the yoga of the physical body. Mm -hmm. It's the yoga of direct knowledge. And basically what it is, is inquiry. It's you 
question, who am I? Who am I? And you sit in the question of who am I or what am I? <laughs> what is the thing that can observe that I feeling emotion that can observe my thoughts? Like what is that that is looking? And that's really what we're all wanting to find. Mm -hmm. And we think innocently, so innocently. <laughs> it's the innocent, you know, it's like, I'm not doing it on purpose. When I sit in meditation and I watch my thoughts, it's not like I'm sitting there thinking, I want to think this next and I want to think this next. It's just a happening mm -hmm. thought comes and then I believe it. Yeah. And it's just happening. But our brain Until lies to us all the time. Yes. All the time. <laughs> yes. I mean, 99.9% of them, are, it, it is. It's like, if you ever feel like if there's suffering in your life, any kind of suffering, suffering is a big word, right? But like, I mean, even just like a little bit like, oh, that asshole just cut me off or whatever, these little things, those are opportunities to just check in with what is happening up here and then getting a little bit of space and like, is it true? Mm -hmm. Is it true? Yeah. That's always such a good question to ask yourself. That's the whole thing. And so there's like a, you know, four questions in a turnaround that I ask with thoughts that like, is it true? Can you absolutely know that it's true? How do you react when you believe it's true? Who would you be without that story in that moment? And then there's turnarounds, which are a whole different, like blah, mind blower. That was the big thing with yoga. And my whole life just changed. And with that identification piece and realizing what the cause of my suffering actually was, it was my own attachment to my stories, like to my own beliefs. And, mm -hmm. and I realized I have a lot of compassion for myself and other people. It's not like, just don't think those thoughts or drop those thoughts, right? I mean, at least it's not for me. Like, It's about inquiry. And that's where the yana yoga comes in. It's like meditating, contemplating, sitting in the story. And really the mind asks the question and the heart is what responds. And that is the truest. That's the truth. That heart, that deep heart wisdom is the truest thing. The mind will tell mm -hmm. you all kinds of, shit, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. And it will keep you out of the work and it's innocent and it's innocent because it's just doing its job. It's like I say, it's trying to protect you. It's trying to keep you out of pain in its own way. It's your inner yes. toddler and your inner teenager, and yes. your, you know, yes. patterned way of the nervous system that all they're trying to do is to keep you safe. And then mm -hmm. when you look at it that way and you're like, oh, look at that. Thank you so much for trying, but this is not Thanks. actually helping me in the long term. <laughs> Let's try well, and different. actually, Erica, it's like, I feel like it is helping. I feel like everything here is here to wake me up. It's here mm -hmm. to wake me up. And so in that way, it's helping. So if I'm yeah, like believing way. this story of like, okay, he hasn't called me because he doesn't care about me. He hasn't called me because he doesn't love me or all of those things. It's like, okay, let me write that thought down and, and inquire. Like, is this true? Can I absolutely know that it's true? And so like all of these things that happen in life when they happen and I feel like I'm resisting what is, I write it down and mm -hmm. I do inquiry. And in that way, I feel like I freed myself from so many lies. You know, ego is the friend on the path. So I feel it's like 
just meeting the mind with understanding that it's just trying to do its job, like you said. I like to say that it's looking for a home, just like all of us, just like, you know, we can all understand that its function is to find a home and it's confused and it thinks its home is outside. Mm. It thinks its home is in a person or a place or a situation. Mm -hmm. And really it's like trying now what I do is just try to give it its rightful home, which is in the heart, Mm. just the heart. I mean, even when we talk about trauma, it's like trauma is a response to an event or a situation, a response in the nervous system to an event or a situation. So, right there, it's like it's not the event, it's not the situation, it's our perception of something being too overwhelming or too much in any particular moment that we've got to the wisdom of the nervous system has to shut that part down or split it off or put it away mm-hmm. so that the rest of us can get on with the thing and survive. You know, it's not trauma isn't an event or a situation. It's the relationship to it. It's our perception of it. Mm-hmm. And with yoga, we learn to work with energy and our minds in a way that we're able to digest more of what is. So mm-hmm. I can be in harmony with what is much more. My capacity to digest what's happening is so much more than it was before when my nervous system was very tripped up now so that I don't perceive things as traumatic. Mm -hmm. Like I might have before, because I'm just able to digest it. It's happening Mm -hmm. and I'm in harmony with it. And there's no perception. I'm not perceiving this is too much. This is overwhelming because energetically I can digest it. Yes. So yoga has helped all of that. And with, you know, (laughs) I'm making the connection first with the death piece because all of that, you know, feels like death, really. Uh It's like, when I work with people and 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 I understand too my own stories, the stories, the sacred beliefs, the core beliefs, like my mother doesn't love me, or I am not. Oh enough. my gosh, whatever. I it am was. not worthy. Life is chaotic. Yes. Like yeah, yeah. There's so many that that when if they get questioned and somebody isn't there, isn't wanting to question it, it's like whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, and we're so our- identified with them that it feels like it's who we are. It's not yes. a pattern we repeat, a thought we have. It is who we are. And if we start to look at and dismantle and peel all those layers to let them go, then what, what is left? Of course, we feel like we're dying or a part of us is dying. And of course, it's scary because we're like, but then what? Because we're disconnected from that home place. We're disconnected from that true, not the small self you were talking about, but the bigger self. And one definitely comes hand in hand with the other. And it's going to be scary, but it's going to be good too. (laughs) Totally. I mean, it's this, it's feeling that is so scary. And we're talking about trauma. A lot of trauma is developmental, meaning it gets frozen when that split happens, like this is too much for a five-year-old Susan, something happened and it felt like too much. So, you know, there was a split or a fragmentation there, put it away. And it's just energy that got frozen. And with that energy, there's emotion tied to it. 
So Mm -hmm. it's frozen there. That little piece, that little fragmentation will be frozen until it can be seen and heard and felt. Mm -hmm. The, The process of energy cannot make its completion and move through until it can be seen and heard and felt. And that is what's fucking scary, right? There's a reason why that five-year-old split it off because Mm -hmm. it was scary. So we're trying to develop the tools now Mm -hmm. for ourselves and for others, like in relational fields, how to get coherence, how to go back to those places and feel them so that they can complete their cycle, that, that frozen, that little trauma that, that was there. And And these are things that most of us have been running from our whole life. We don't even know they're there, number one. Mm -hmm. We don't see how they're affecting our lives and how they are causing patterns to repeat. And we're just sitting in our life like, why the fuck does this happen to me again and again and again? And so it is about cultivating some awareness and being able to stay with yourself and feel, Mm -hmm. let yourself feel. And like I said in the beginning, like feeling, I think is just the name of it, the name of the game. Like, what would it be like if you weren't afraid to feel? Like, mm-hmm. if you weren't afraid to feel abandonment, to feel rejection, rejection, shame, shame, guilt. Right. If we weren't afraid to feel those things, free. Yeah. Because if somebody does reject me or says, you know, it seems like they're abandoning me and I can sit with that. I can feel it. It's okay. Their business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've built our own resilience to, to deal with those challenging emotions and we've built the tools because what I'm hearing in this conversation, it's really like the tools of yoga in this situation is about self-inquiry around our thoughts. Like that's the base of the work, feeling our emotions. So we can, start to heal the places that have been fractured, start to close the circuit that have been kind of interrupted so we can let go, letting go in the goal of being okay with what is. Yes. Like, I think, I don't know if you feel like that summarized a little bit what we've talked about so far before we like take this in into like what's next. Yes. So there's two, there's, you just hit it. You're just, yeah, totally tracking it. And There's two main themes that connect all three, yoga, sex, and death. And one of them is letting go. Mm. I mean, we're talking about it in yoga, right? We're talking about looking at the thoughts and letting go of identities. And that's, that's a big let go. And so how does that translate into sexuality or in the sacredness of that part of our life? Right. So in also in yoga, we're talking about getting intimate with our energy body. Getting intimate, right? With our physical mm. body, intimacy mm-hmm. with little tiny nuanced things. Yes. That turning to look and feel is a very intimate thing. You're getting intimate with yourself. You're getting intimate with the tendencies of your own mind. You're getting intimate with the quality of your emotions, how the patterns of your emotions. You're getting intimate with your energy body, how your energy moves, where you feel stuck. And you're getting intimate with your physical body. Just like, okay, wow, when I move my body like this, I mm-hmm. feel all these things. Or or as simply as it moves like this and doesn't yes. that way. You know, like 
or like this feels there's a physical good. Body. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't feel good. And why? And what is that? And curiosity. So then you take that to sexuality, right? And we move into sexuality and we're talking about the things that we've pushed down our Mm -hmm. whole life. A Mm -hmm. lot of the things that we have suppressed has to do with our own sexuality. Yeah. And the way that we feel about our sexuality and other people's sexuality. And because most of us didn't have this healthy entry into our own sexual lives, we didn't have guides. We didn't know. We just were like handed a book. If that, if that, a lot of guys are learning about sexuality through porn. So there's a lot of sexual energy because this is the yogic part. It's like, wow, when, I went through my own process. I, I hope, you know, we can go to these places. I don't know if it's, if it's cool, you know, just, okay, cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I was married in my twenties and, um, you know, your twenties, it's, it was a tough time. I'm 44 now. I look back at my twenties and I was doing my best, but geez, I didn't <laughs> know. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. And I could have sex right? I was having sex and it was all at the level of the second chakra, like just fucking, you know, like Mm -hmm. body, just body. Like I could not even look into my husband's eyes when we would have sex. There was a disconnect Mm -hmm. between my genitals and my heart. It was Mm -hmm. just, there was nothing going on. There was like this disconnection right in the middle And when I started doing all this energy work in yoga, I started to feel energy just flowing, starting to flow in places that had felt blocked before. And then I would start feeling the emotions that I had been suppressing, right? Mm -hmm. Right along with the energy, all of it was coming up to be felt and seen and heard. And wow, I realized how much I had been holding in and holding down and not wanting to feel on a sexual level. Now, over the years, since 2009, I've been teaching about sexuality. And so I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of women. It's hard for me to find one who has not experienced some kind of sexual trauma or abuse. And I find this topic to be something that can be helpful for women you know, we think there's something wrong with us. I did. I thought there was something wrong with me and there wasn't. Mm -hmm. It is the normal response to the world that we have grown up in. We are expected to just be these walking pleasures, knowing how to experience pleasure and knowing how to make love, knowing you know, all of these things when, when we have become so disconnected from our bodies, rightfully so in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, we've needed to protect. There's a lot of armor built around our hearts and our wombs in order to experience lovemaking for the integration, for the union. Mm-hmm. There's that word of yoga. That's what yoga means. Union with another or with God, source, union, 
small S to big S. Two people. It's like merging. Two forms coming together to merge into oneness. And people think like, okay, that sounds so amazing. I want all of that. And it's like, well, it's work because it's like, we've got to kind of undo the blocks, go in and look at the traumas and look at the wounds and the things that we've been running from so that all that sexual energy can just start to flow. And then we can learn to consciously work with it and move it if we want to. We can put it in the heart and feel what that feels like. And experience life and your lover from that perspective or the beloved all around in life. Mm -hmm. You know, yoga was the entryway to help me work with sexual trauma and ultimately to move through the trauma to experience the oneness of God in lovemaking. (sighs) And Mm -hmm. I just. I have been experimenting. I spent most of my 30s experimenting. Um, I was living in a community in Thailand uh, where a lot of people were exploring this. And I just remember thinking, wow, nobody taught me this. Nobody teaches us how to feel, how to be in our bodies, how to make love and not just fuck. But I mean, be fucked open to God, you know? Um, Yeah. And that also felt like death. Anytime we're talking about that merging, it's the dissolution. There's a death. Mm -hmm. There's a death. And, you know, sexual energy is in the second chakra. Its goal, its arrows, that erotic force is to meet the heart, the fourth chakra. That's its home. And giving it its home in the heart is the union of the masculine and the feminine, we'll call it, the masculine and the feminine within. And when that happens, it's like an ego death. It's like the I, Susan, it starts to dissolve. It's scary. It's, mm-hmm. I want to hold on. I want to hold on. And I, I think I'm, I'm disappearing. It can be really scary. And if You know, a lot of people in relationships don't understand what's happening. And so what we do is when we get so terrified unconsciously, we don't know why. And we project it onto our partner and we think, oh, it's time to move on. Mm -hmm. Like we shut our bodies down or we find the motivation to get another lover or to run away or whatever it is, because we just don't know that. We're not aware of it. I wasn't for that's for sure. But I had these patterns of like, just, okay, time to find another one and time to find another one. And it's like, okay, what's the common denominator here? It's me. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot of healing that can be done on a sexual level, like sexual yoga. And that is really how all of these three things are connected. And, And then, well, death kept coming up. In yoga, mm-hmm. this feeling of disillusion, this feeling of like oh, the terror of of letting go of, of this small self person and just death kept coming, like ego death kept coming. And I thought, well, okay, then I want to just look at it and I want to start studying death. And I was coming across different death workshops and I started taking them and then I just got really invested and really interested in studying 
death from the Tibetan Buddhist perspective specifically and what happens when you die and just really studying this death piece. And ultimately it is a very yogic perspective because it deals a lot with all of those fundamental yogic principles like energy, who you are beyond the physical body and what happens what happens? And it's just one perspective. It's definitely, I don't, you know, I'm not like, this is the way, but it's, it's a way that I have spent a lot of years studying and practicing. So it's like, if we can get comfortable with talking about death and in death practices in life, how can that free us up to live fully? Mm -hmm. How? All of these things that I'm talking about, it's like you're aw- you're awake. It's an awakened yeah. experience of life, right? And if you're not afraid to feel the fear of death, you have access to so much more. It's like life just opens up. Yeah, that's the true sense of like the limitless that we talk about in certain branches of yoga. More like I know in Kundalini, we refer to like that limitless self a lot. This is where you find that sense of limitless. Yes. Expansion, completely. Expansion. Mm -hmm. Like meeting reality as it is, living in harmony with life as it is. Imagine that, you know, like the beauty. Just walk around with our wounds and our perceptions, our layers like this. And Mm -hmm. then you start to look at the layers. And so... You realize you're not just these things. There's a lot more to the story and you start to find space. And then you start to like, oh my gosh, look around and see life, see the reality of existence. And wow, it's just everything blows open. Yeah. Life just blows open. The heart blows open. And And the possibilities are limitless too of what you can be and do and experience from there. Oh, yeah. I feel like we can talk forever, but sadly, we're going to have to start to wrap it up already. So that went so there, fast. I know. I know. Is there like one takeaway that you would like people to leave with? Like if there's one thing they need to remember about this episode, like what would it be when it comes either to yoga, sex, death, or like all three together and how they intersect? Well, I would just say, don't believe everything you think. Yeah. That's great. Start there um, for sure. And then feel. feel. I feel like that was a, a big takeaway earlier. Yes. You know, I guess I'll leave with a question because it's what I do. I ask questions for a Beautiful. living. I ask people questions. What would it feel like? Really sit and envision your life if you weren't afraid to feel. What would your life look like? Mm. What would you do? Get a pen, guys. You yeah. Beautiful. I'll put all your info in the show notes, obviously. But in the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you? If they want to know more about you, they just want to say hello, or they want to know about what you're offering, what's coming up in your world. I would love to say hi to anybody that wants to reach out. I really welcome that. So you can find more about my offerings at samarasacenter.com. We'll put the link, of course. There's a website. I teach this yoga, sex, and death one. There's a yoga, sex, and death two. And there's a yoga, sex, and death facilitator training, which is yoga, sex, and death three. I teach yoga, sex, and death retreats. The next retreat coming up is October 15th on Lake Atitlan here in Guatemala, Mm. one of the most beautiful places 
Um, Can I come I'm and sure. join? Is there still space? Oh, that would be amazing. I would love to have you. I would love to have you. Yeah. So that's the next in-person retreat I'm doing. It's the first co-ed one that I'm doing since mm. I started teaching YSD in 2014. I have a co-lead, a friend and a colleague who's teaching with me. He's a man. And so we're going to have men in this retreat for the first time. So I'm also training facilitators. We will have other yoga, sex, and death retreats next year. There's another six-week-long course, yoga, sex, and death, that two amazing, amazing women who have been working with me for years will be guiding that yoga, sex, and death. And then I'll be also teaching retreats next year. The first one won't be until June, but there's a possibility I could do one before that. So just check on the website and also our Instagram. We keep everything updated. What's your handle and on Instagram? It's Samarasa Center. Perfect. Yes. And that's S-A-M-A-R-C-E-N-T-E-R. Thank you so much, Susan, for your time today. This was such a lovely chat. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Erica. This was awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, please leave a review for this episode or the podcast in general, anywhere you listen. It really helps people find the show. If you're looking for the show notes of this episode, you'll find them at ericabelanger.com slash 144. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And this includes all our premium members. Once again, thanks for listening in. Until next time.